welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and thanks for joining us for today's episode. The Unshaken podcast's purpose is to glorify God through regularly recorded podcast episodes. You know, these are aimed for women, and we want to promote the truth of God's Word as all-sufficient, as well as support the belief statements of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. Today, we are on episode number 90.1. It's called Coping with Infertility. And actually, we're doing a second episode that we're going to release today called 90.2. And it is called Coping with Miscarriage because both of these topics are really important, yet they're different enough that we really felt like we needed to get two separate episodes. Hey, take a minute and head over to your favorite podcast directory, such as Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, CastBox, hey, wherever you listen. We're even on Spotify. It helps us out and it also helps you out because you get notifications of new episodes that drop. New episodes drop each and every Thursday. You can always go back to our archives though and check out any in the past and listen to those. Don't forget to follow our socials, Facebook and Instagram. Under the, the account name Women of the Word CTW, we have some great content on there for any woman. We highlight our podcast, but we also highlight our Regarding Him conference that we have every March and our Mom-to-Mom ministry, which focuses specifically for motherhood. Great content there. And we also highlight our blog called, blog, called Planted, which every Tuesday comes out with fabulous articles. I love them. And as always, you can always reach out to me at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com if you ever want to suggest anything reach out to me and give me ideas, or maybe ask a few questions. Um, you can find that in our show notes. Now, today's episode is kind of unique because it actually came and birthed out of a few people who said, hey, I want to talk about this. Um, I had to do a little research because it's not a topic that I've dealt with very much. And actually, I actually had to find somebody to interview, which made this even more unique because we are doing this remotely, something brand new I've never done before. So we're going to kind of get through this today. Um, I'm excited because I'm excited mostly about my um, guest today because I know she has a lot of really good things to say. Let me introduce you to my guest of the episode. This is Katie Walker. Uh, I connected with Katie through Facebook Messenger after a couple women suggested she might be the person to talk to and that she had a story to tell. And you know, I love stories. So, Katie, I just want to welcome you to our episode. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. Now, there's something we have in common in addition to the fact that we're doing a remote podcast episode today, and that is that not only do you, are we connected this way, but you host a podcast. So That's right. tell me a little bit about your podcast. So um, I host a podcast called Monumental. It's um, through Warhorn Media, um, which is connected with Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington. Um, and the tagline is a small show about the big things God does in the lives of ordinary people. And so what we do on is I have um, different women come in and share their testimonies of coming to faith or something that happened in their life to challenge them and strengthen their faith. And um, it's, you know, one of the things I love about it is that most of the women that come on say, I don't feel like I have anything monumental <laughs> <laughs> right. to share. Um, but 
you know, I always just say it's, it's not about you having some great big story. But what it's really about is us just being ordinary women, um, being faithful to God where he has us, and, and it's sharing God's, you know, amazing faithfulness to us in, in ordinary ways. So it's really um, been a fun podcast. It's a fabulous podcast, and actually a funny little story. Um, I didn't really know about podcasts at all. I think maybe you've been around since, I think, 2017. Is that possible? Yes. I, I, that might be when we started. I think that is when we started the podcast, yeah. And, and somewhere along the line, I heard about it. So I found it on my browser, like on a website. Okay. And I listened to it sitting at my computer because I didn't know that you could put it on your phone. All right. And you could walk around the house and do your laundry and stuff. Yeah. And I think I binged on like eight of them. So I didn't get a whole lot done that day, but. Uh, and now, look where you are now. Yeah. Well, you, you are my That's inspiration, right. Katie. You're my inspiration to do this. When did your podcast start? Uh, maybe 2020. So, okay. yeah, so okay. we're a little bit behind you, but that's okay. Well, so. wait, you're cranking out four more podcasts than we are. So. Okay. <laughs> um, that's so yeah, fun. I've been, I've been enjoying listening to your podcast, oh, too. thank you. Yeah, well, thank you for your I, work. I, I would encourage anybody to listen to Monumental because I, I love stories, but I do think what you said a minute ago really shows what it's about because it's really not about those ordinary women, although all of them, I love their stories. It's really about God, and yeah. that is yeah. so super amazing. I love biographies, so I enjoyed them greatly because they really just were stories, you know, yeah. and that's great. Yeah, that's great. All right, Thank so you. Katie, one thing I always do when I start an episode is I ask some, I call them quirky questions, to get the ball rolling, so I'm going to give you a few. Um, okay. But before I do that, um, what what do you do every day? Like, what does your life look like? Because my listeners maybe don't even know who you are. So, mm -hmm. yep. Um, so I am a stay-at-home mom, and I have one daughter. She's two and a half. Her name is Ilsa, and so I do the normal, you know, stay-at-home mom, housewife things, taking care of the house, laundry, cooking, playing with my daughter. She loves to go outside, so we. Try to go outside a lot, although in this cold weather, we're not as good about it. <laughs> right. Where are you uh, at? Where are you at? Uh, we're in Bloomington, Indiana. Okay. That's about yeah. like Toledo, Ohio. It's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not too far away and probably pretty similar weather. That's what I was um, thinking, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so uh, we do that. She loves books, so we do a lot of book reading. Um, my husband and I also help with our... Uh, Church's Senior High Youth Group on Wednesday nights, and we'll often have events for the kids on the weekends, too. And my husband and I just love hosting, so a regular part of our week is often just having people in the home. Um, we host a small group on Sundays, and um, I have a, I'm doing a, I'm a host in my house, a book study for some of the young adult awesome. uh, women. So I have them lead. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> but I host it in my house, so that's really fun. Yeah. So, I actually yeah. love that you work with senior high. Um, yeah. Because um, I think they are such a group, especially I'm thinking junior high girl, or I'm sorry, high school girls, 
they're just ready to bloom and, and go out yeah. in life. And it's okay. really an interesting, I bet that's really interesting to work with them. It is, yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's really neat when they go from high school and graduate and then you see them, you know, in college. Just, yeah. I don't know, just really taking off. It's amazing the transformation that happens yeah. in those few years. <laughs> yeah, it's a short It's yeah. a short amount of time for sure. Yeah, yeah okay. it's but a very important time in their lives. So I'm grateful that we get to be a part of that. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, now, if you could go on vacation any place, like anywhere, money's no issue, where would you go? Well, right now, it w that would be Germany. My Germany. husband is from Germany, and so far, I've never been there, so I would really, really love to go there and see that part of his life, you know, where he yeah. grew up, and he, he has a lot of family there still, and uh, he still has, um, well, he has one sister that I still haven't met, and nieces and nephews over there haven't met and a sister-in-law so there's a bunch of family I would really love to meet I haven't gotten to meet yet and they haven't got to meet our daughter sure so so yeah that's that's high up on the list and yeah so, so we'll see when that can happen <laughs> did, yeah it's not easy to fly and travel now it, yeah. there's a lot of extra restrictions what if yep. did your husband grow up in Germany then yeah he grew oh, okay up there, yeah okay great yep. Okay, so Katie, today we're going to jump yeah. into a discussion that is all about infertility specifically. I don't really know your story though, and so I think that's probably where we need to start. <laughs> like, yeah. tell me and all of our listeners, like, why I would have invited you on to talk about this topic. Sure. So, my husband and I have been married for seven years, um, and we had hoped to have children right away. Um, but we weren't getting pregnant, um, and so after, I, I can't remember, I think more than a year, maybe two even, mm. we started going to the doctor and looking into, you know, what could be causing us right. not to have children, um, and so we did, you know, we both had tests done, um, I did some medicine, you know, to try to help, and yeah, so we, we did start looking into fertility treatments and things like that, and um, that, and then at some point also, while we were still kind of in that process, we started um, looking and thinking about adoption and looking into adoption agencies, but then um, it just became too much to be trying to get pregnant, going through fertility treatments, and thinking about adoption. I mean, those are two very emotional yeah. and different tracks. <laughs> yes. And so for that reason and other reasons, um, which I'll probably talk about later, we took a break from okay. pursuing adoption for several months. And then we ended up going to a fertility specialist who said that we had about a 2% chance of getting pregnant. Wow. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe up to a 20% chance with more invasive uh, treatments. Um, but, yeah, like even not that, that good. Um, yeah. And then he suggested in vitro fertilization, um, which it, as Christians, we were opposed to. Yeah. Um, so 
we, we grieved the loss of that hope of having biological children. Um, and then over several months, we took a break. Well, yeah, we had taken a break from adoption. So then we took some time to just grieve, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Not being able to have children. Um, and let's see. So then we did, over the, the time that we had taken a break from pursuing adoption, God had done a lot of work in my heart to kind of prepare me even more for it and make me excited about doing adoption. Ah, cool. Um, so then we started that track again. And um, we began looking into adoption agencies in the winter of 2018. And then a year and a half later, um, on a Thursday night, we received a call from our agency that there was a birth mom who was going to be induced the following night. Wow. And they asked if we could come to the hospital that next night. Mm. Um, and so I went to work the next morning. I was a secretary you went to work? at the time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It was a very emotional day, I'll tell you yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. Um, and, and I worked as a secretary at our church. So the pastors knew we were in this process and yeah. that this was coming and it could be, but normally you think you'd probably have a few months. Right. So Not the I night before. That, yeah, right, exactly. So I went to work that morning. I'm like, yeah, so this is my last day. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and so I tried to wrap things up there. And also, like, then that night we ran to the store and picked up a few baby things, um, went to the hospital, and our daughter was born on Saturday morning. Yay. Um, oh. And so I guess what I'll say is that n now, um, you know, after meeting her, I, I just couldn't be happier for how God led in our lives mm. um, through the infertility. Because when I met her, when we met her, and we knew that this was the child God had for us, mm. I just thought that was worth every minute of the wait. <laughs> That, that so. makes me just sigh. Just like <laughs> a, a little bit of relief in hearing your story. That's really yeah. great. Great to hear. How did you feel? I mean, what, was, what were you feeling like on the Friday night? Were you feeling nervous? Or were you um, really confident in what was going to happen? No. no. We, were, we were excited. It felt surreal, you know? Yeah. Like, wait. Like, this is happening right now. Yeah, like tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we were excited. We just, like, my husband was in grad school at the time, so he was in the lab. I got the call at, at 10 o'clock at night, and I called him. He came home from the lab immediately, and we just sat on the couch and talked about it. Like, right. you know, all the information they had given us about the situation and, like, you know, okay, I think we called a couple people each. You know, I yeah. called a close friend. He called our pastor. We were just like, did you pray, you know, that we, you know, make the right decision about this and that this, you know, whatever. Um, and and then we just sat there and thought and talked, and we were both just like, yeah, this is clearly, this is where God has led us, you know. Right, right. Why would, why would we not, why would we say no to this, you know? Yes. Um, and then I think we just got this, like, nervous, excited energy, and we started cleaning the house. <laughs> <laughs> it was nesting. <laughs> and packing. And, yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. 
Okay, so let's, you know what, let's, you have so much in your story. And we're going to touch on a lot of little pieces of your story and maybe some things you didn't even talk about. Um, but let's start with just some of the facts on the topic. I, I think that's a good place to start because, as I said earlier, I really don't know very much about infertility. I don't, I don't have a medical background. Um, I, I don't think you do either, Katie, right? No. Yeah, no, I don't. So, so let's we're talking in the in the layman's terms here today because mm -hmm. I don't know. Although, yeah, <laughs> you probably know way more than I do. So, what what actually is infertility? Like, what would be the definition? Okay. Well, so I actually looked that up um, just to give a good, clear one. Yeah, that's Webster's great. Webster's Dictionary defines infertility as incapable of or unsuccessful in achieving pregnancy. Um, and oftentimes, doctors will have you wait, like, a year before oh. you, you come to them for treatment or looking into it because... I mean, there's so many, I think, just different factors that play into it to why you might not be getting pregnant. They're like, you just need to give it some good, long, consistent okay. effort. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, because it could be that it's nothing is wrong, you know. It's right. It's just not the right time or whatever. So, um, yeah. Uh, what, what are some, well, that makes me think, um, what are some causes of infertility? Because... What you just said is it's like go a year, the doctors like wait a year, but what would be some reasons why this would be the case? To wait a year, why it, you would actually be in, you know, yes, why? What, what yeah. are some of the causes specifically of infertility? Mm -hmm. Right. So there could be issues with ovulation. Um, there could be damages to the fallopian tube. Okay. Um, sometimes it's it's. Um, a condition called endometriosis, which is, I, I looked this up, so I, okay. I didn't actually <laughs> just know all of this off the top of my head, but so endometriosis is tissue that usually grows in the uterus, um, but implants or grows in other places, Okay. Um, which keeps the egg and sperm from uniting um, or disrupts the fertilized egg from implanting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's those things that could be um, uterine or cervical issues, um, keeping an egg from implanting. Um, and then there's unexplained infertility, yeah. which is no known cause at all or a combination of several minor factors, maybe in both partners even. So, Well, it, it's interesting. Um, I've heard of a, quite a few of those things. And um, endometriosis particularly, I think that's one that I've – heard women speak of before yeah yeah I think I don't know if that's maybe a more common one right I, I wondered if that's common yeah yeah and can so it, those are some of the issues in women then there's you know it could be also the man yeah um so there could be things like low sperm production or abnormal sperm function or blockages that prevent the delivery okay. of the sperm you know so yeah. that that kind of thing on that side well, um, that's interesting to think about how these, you know, when there's a cause or an issue like that, how does that fit in as a Christian? Because when we go to the doctor and there's something going on, like if we're struggling through cancer or yeah. some other issue, how can we as Christians view that sort of a situation? 
Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. So as Christians, we know ultimately that God is sovereign over our wombs. So he ordains whether we bear children or um, if we're infertile. Mm. And he has a purpose in it. And so I think that's something that we we really need to start out knowing and reminding ourselves. Um, So you remember the story in the Bible of the man born blind? Yes, I do. Um, (laughs) So the disciples asked Jesus, they said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? And Jesus answered, it was neither that this man mm-hmm. sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Mm-hmm. So this is an account where God's purposes are made absolutely clear. It wasn't his sin or his parents' sin that right. caused the suffering. It was so that the work of God might be displayed in him. So trusting God's sovereignty over our infertility will cause us to have humility in it, and not just by showing us how far short we fall of his glory, but also how much higher he is above us as our sovereign Mm. God. That's that's just so good. (laughs) Yeah, so for example, I think how will God's purposes be seen in our infertility and adoption of our daughter Ilsa? My husband and I have been unable to have children, and this led us to adopt, and God gave us Ilsa. Well, we have faith for that the answer to the question may not be realized until Ilsa has great-grandchildren. Right. You know, sometimes God reveals his purposes in the ways that he leads, but often we we only get part of it. Right. You know? Um, and then we are left to negotiate, you know, the questions of sin and sanctification and God's eternal purpose. There's so much that God is at work through in various ways of his leading in our lives. And so um, our starting place should be remembering and claiming God's sovereignty. Mm. I love that because that's a theme that we talk often on Unshaken about because when I talk with women who have been through some sort of a trial, and this is definitely a trial, doesn't that give you great peace to know God is sovereign? Yes, I think so much. that it brings great peace to me in any trial I've been through. When I really knew and learned that for the first time, probably 20 years ago, that God is sovereign and that yeah. he's, yeah. it's just a great encouragement. Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay, Katie, today I'm going to ask you a lot of questions, and I, I just want to preempt all these questions with, I do not want to be insensitive in any way. My goal is to really share and ask questions that someone might want to ask you about infertility, and we're having this lovely chit-chat, and yet, you know, hundreds of people might be listening to us as we talk, but it's really just you and I, and I'm sure some of these questions might be difficult for people to ask someone um, and I appreciate all of what you're going to say. I have personally had two miscarriages, um, but I have never struggled really with infertility. Uh, so I'm glad that you can be on today and that we can talk about this. And I also will say I've spent a lot of time in prayer before this particular episode. So I'm hoping that today what we talk about will be a great encouragement. I think. Yeah. I think. I hope. Yeah, yeah, women women need that. Women who are struggling with this need to be encouraged. Yeah, and I'm I'm really glad to be able to share because I, you know, obviously know 
the difficulty of that struggle and have a lot of compassion for women who are going through that. So yeah. I'm grateful for the opportunity to um, share what God has done in my life through it. That I hope will be a help to others. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so let's start with what are the hardest parts do you think of dealing with infertility? I think probably the hardest thing about infertility when you desire to have children is you know, obviously not having them. Okay. <laughs> it's the loss of a hope, really. Um, there's also the loss of control, which is hard for us. Um, but I'd say probably a good place for us to come to as Christians. I mean, in so many areas of our lives, we want to have control. Yes. <laughs> but when it comes to having children, I think we kind of assume it'll happen. Right. So when it doesn't, we realize we really don't have the control over it. So either we go grasping for how to get that control back, or we grow in reliance upon God. Um, this is really a good thing that God does through infertility, but... No, it is. It is hard. Wow. Yes. Um, and then another hard thing about it, when you start pursuing medical help and talking to doctors and getting treatment, is having something that was supposed to be a private and intimate part of your marriage become open conversation. Yeah. Um, that was hard for me. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I had not. I've never thought about that before. But you're right. Which maybe is why people don't. Women don't talk a lot about infertility. Yeah. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Did, did you ever think that God was not listening to your prayers or maybe his plan wasn't right? How did you deal with that? Because I know that even in trials, sometimes I've struggled like, God, are you listening to me? Did you know that I'm down here struggling through this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've definitely definitely had times in my life where I've, I've questioned that too. Um, I don't think in this, I don't think I thought that God wasn't listening, but I did struggle to understand what he was doing in it. Mm. Um, you know, wanting children is a good and a godly thing to desire. So it's like, I, wouldn't he want me to have that? Yeah. You know? um, so a couple things that came to my mind. Uh, first was my sin. I wondered, am I barren because of my past sins? Is this mm. punishment on me because of my sins? Um, and I think this is a good question to ask, but I also think we have to be careful in asking that question. Mm. So... The reason it's a good question to ask is because our suffering, whatever it is, should cause us to look at our lives and see our sin, um, so we know ourselves and our standing before God better. Yeah, right. God often uses suffering as a means to lead us to repentance, and he certainly uses it as a means to lead us into greater sanctification. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I can't answer the question as to whether I'm barren because of my past sins. Um, but my infertility has caused me to look at my life and see my sins, both past and present, and it's helped me accept more humbly his will of, of infertility mm. in my life. I think what it helped me realize is that I don't deserve children, and God doesn't owe me children. Mm. In fact, I deserve much worse. You know, what I deserve is eternity and hell, but God has graciously given me salvation and the, and the hope of eternity in him. <laughs> That's interesting. You, you commented about what you deserve. I, I think that is so interesting how I can look back in my life and see many times that I thought that in my, in my I, I don't know that I would have ever said that I deserved this, but, but it's interesting how that is, and for me, it's truly just a selfish thing. 
like I deserve this God I've yeah. done all these things yeah. for you and I deserve this <laughs> thing yeah but you're right we deserve hell and God has graciously yeah. provided a solution for that yeah yeah and I don't know that we always you know I don't think that we necessarily take the time to put it in those terms you yeah. know I don't think that's really that we realize that's what we're saying right <laughs> I deserve this um, you know, because we know, like, what the Bible says, we know, you know, I deserve right. hell and that I'm a sinner and I, you know, but when it really comes to just the day-to-day, I think oftentimes we don't um, think right. of, of our attitudes in those kind of terms, and that's, that's, you know, that is what we're oftentimes saying. Yeah, definitely. Um, so... I think what looking at our life and sins should do is both lead us to repentance um, and give us humility to trust God with our infertility. Mm. Um, Okay, but the reason that we have to be careful in asking that question is because there's a couple ways this question could lead us astray. One is to have self-loathing over our past sins Mm. and think, if only I hadn't sinned in that way, then I would be able to get pregnant now. Um, that reminds me of the verse yeah. in Philippians that says, do not look back. I, this is a horrible paraphrase, but do not look back, but look forward, pressing on towards the goal of mm-hmm. Christ Jesus. Like I've thought about that so many times in regard to like regretful pasts that, yeah. you know, that might be there that people have had, but we have to go forward. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's good. Yeah, we need to accept forgiveness Jesus has offered us yeah. for the sins we've already repented of. Right. Um, and we don't know um, if he would be giving us children now if it weren't for those past sins, you know? Right. Um, so, like I said before, yeah, he doesn't owe us children. They, right. they are a gift. Absolutely. Um, and then the other question we may have, um, if it's current sin we're dealing with, is if I repent of this sin, then God will give me children. Oh, um, that's interesting. That's a if yeah. then. <laughs> huh? I said that's like a if then. Yeah, if, if right. God, if God does right. this, then I'll get this. <laughs> right, right. And God often uses suffering to lead us to repentance, and that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Um, but if your motive in repenting is so that God will give you children, I think you're setting yourself up for bitterness if that doesn't happen. Yes. So I think that's why we have to be careful in asking that question. Absolutely. There's just a couple, yeah. Um, So, you know, while we don't know that our infertility is a result of past or present sins, and we don't know that God would be giving us children now if it weren't for those sins, what we do know is that God uses suffering, such as infertility, to cause us to examine ourselves to know ourselves, our sin better, and to know him and his holiness better. Um, As we consider our sins in light of our infertility, we need to remember that God is our Father. Amen. He loves us and he disciplines us so that we might grow in holiness. Um, Hebrews 12 says he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems Mm. not to be pleasant but painful. Yet those who have been trained by it afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So he's not getting back at us for all our sins. He's at work in us for our good and for his glory. And that's definitely something we can praise God for. Yes. yes when he's at, at work, whatever the reasons, mm-hmm. it's good to yes. see that. Yeah, yeah definitely. 
thing I wondered about um, as I questioned God's plan in my infertility. The other thing I wondered about was um, if I should get to a point where I accept it and quit desiring to have children. Oh. Hmm. So I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who was also at the time struggling with infertility, and we were asking each other, is it wrong to keep praying and praying for something that God clearly isn't giving us? You know, it's like mm. at some point do we need to just quit praying for it? Um, but I think what we came to realize is that it's not wrong to pray for something that's good and a godly desire. And we could even be like the persistent widow asking right. over and over again. Um, but we are very capable as sinners of turning a good and even a godly desire into an idol. Mm. So children are good, and we should want to have them. But if we start wanting that thing more than wanting to honor God, then we're making it an idol. Right. So I think the question asked is how can we know if that's the case? Hmm. Um, and I think a couple things to look out for is if our thoughts and emotions are consumed by it, um, you know, if we can't give ourselves to other things um, or other people, right. then we've, we've made it an idol. Hmm. Um and then the other thing is if we're bitter and resentful of others, if, if you're unable to be happy for other people who have the thing that you want, then we've, we've made that an idol. Yeah, that's interesting, um, the bitter and resentful part, particularly because that is really a, I'm only saying this from my own perspective, from my own heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I can see that at times I've been in that spot, yeah. bitter and resentful of others because yep. of something they had. Yeah, and absolutely. definitely yeah. that is making something an idol, for sure. That's yeah. good. And this is a very real struggle for, at least it was for me in yeah. my infertility, you know, struggling to really be happy for other people or yeah. not just be um, just really self-absorbed with my own grief when I found out about somebody else's news right. of, having a baby yeah that's hard I I just as I sit here and think about this it just it's um I I guess I'm understanding more as you're sharing about the challenges that come and actually maybe some of the isolation that comes because it's tricky to talk to people about it and um and that's in my brain that's where I always get rolling with all these thoughts and that's where a lot of my sin happens is because I'm thinking. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, True, you know, my emotions come out in my brain. So uh, that's yep. interesting. Oh, for sure. So uh, as I was preparing for the episode, I did a little bit of research. And one of the statistics that I came across said, which actually really surprised me, it said one in eight couples struggle to get and stay pregnant. So I'm assuming oh. that includes miscarriage in there. And mm, but. Yeah. That was kind of crazy to me. Yeah. Because that seems like a pretty big number. I right. Mean, yeah. I think that's 12%. Yet I don't really hear women talk about it. I, I really haven't heard a lot of women around me talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's shame associated with it. Um, I, I know biblically we could think of Hannah in the Bible or Sarah. They both had uh, the same issues. Um, and I mean, their names are in the Bible, which is pretty cool. But they had some pretty difficult things. So um, what did you do? Did you keep this quiet? Did you share it? 
and you know did you share it a lot and then what happens on either side of that because it's a tricky spot yeah I was trying to remember that I don't I don't think I talked about it for the first couple years maybe it's hard to remember for sure but I think early on when you're first trying to get pregnant you're not really thinking infertility yet yeah you're just keep hoping that it's gonna happen yeah (laughs) um this also is at least for me um and maybe for a lot of women is where that privacy factor plays Mm. in because getting pregnant like i said earlier is supposed to be that you know intimate thing between you and your husband and i don't know i think maybe i just felt kind of awkward or embarrassed a little bit um but this is also where different personalities are going to feel different about that. But sure. something that helped me was being in a church culture where we share our lives with each other and bear mm-hmm. each other's burdens. And the women in my church have helped me a lot become more open and humble in sharing my own life. Um, but you mentioned shame. Mm-hmm. And I think this is um, probably maybe the biggest thing that causes women to be quiet about their infertility. Uh, as women, and especially Christian women, who know and understand their call and responsibility as women to be fruitful, I think there is a feeling of shame or failure in not being able to have children. Mm, right. I think I remember thinking, this is what God created me for as a woman, and I can't do it. Right, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so it's difficult to remember the timeline, how long before I really started talking about it, but um, what I especially remember as an encouragement was letting people in my life on the topic mm-hmm. um, was an encouragement to me. I was in a, a women's Bible study where I shared about it, and the women there would pray for me and encourage me. And like I mentioned earlier, I was a secretary at our church at the time, and the pastors were a huge encouragement to me to have faith and trust God. Mm-hmm. Um, while also understanding the sensitivity and pain that it is for women to not have children. Right. You know, I think the simple and tender words from my pastor, have faith, really did help bolster my faith. I just remember one of my pastors, when I was feeling really emotional about it one time, just said, it really just didn't say much. I think he maybe gave me a side hug and just said, have faith. Mm. And, and it was like, that was good. That was enough, you know? Like, that just really helped me. Yep. <laughs> um. And I don't know, this is what the church is supposed to do. We're yes. supposed to bear one another's burdens. And yeah. when you let others in to help you bear your burdens, it helps us to have faith in what we're suffering, and it helps us when it comes to fighting sins yep. often associated with this kind of heartache, yeah. um, which we'll talk about more, I think, later probably. But, yeah. Or which we already mentioned, you know, bitterness and resentment and things. So. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. I love I love your how you talked about the pastor just – coming alongside of you for a brief moment, you know, it, it wasn't anything he probably planned. He wasn't right. thinking, I need to go talk to her today and tell her to have faith. It just was, first off, his probably natural way that he speaks in encouragement, but then how God used that, the little two-word sentence as a great encouragement yeah. to you. I, I, yeah. I love that from my end of it because although I have not struggled with this, that's a great reminder to me to be an encouragement to women who are going through this and yeah not so it wasn't like he I mean I guess it was advice to some degree but it wasn't like a big long list of things you should do right yeah yeah it was care 
Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah, there was just so much tenderness and compassion behind it, but also just that, you know, that really sweet reminder that God is God is in this. Yep, that's right. Okay, so um, what about genetics? You know, um, I know a few women who struggled with infertility, yet their mothers had like seven or, or ten babies. And to me, it's a little confusing. I would think that if I were in this situation, I would just assume I'd have babies. You know, it would yeah. just be something that, well, I mean, you even said earlier that it's just something that's what God, women, God made women to do, you know? So yeah. how does genetics yeah. play into this? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because my my mom had five kids, and my oh. husband comes from a family of ten. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're right. It is easy to just assume that it's, we're going to have kids because we came from big family. <laughs> right. Um, and and maybe, so, it's, maybe it's also not so much an assumption. We just don't even think the other side of it. Yeah. We never yeah, think, oh, that. wow, it yeah. is possible, you know, mm-hmm. along with it. Yeah, that's true. Yep, that's a good point. So I actually looked this up, just kind of did a Google search, too, because I was sort of curious as well about the genetic, yeah. you know, side of it. And so the National Institute of Health says the genetic causes remain unexplained for the vast majority of male and female infertility patients. Oh, wow. So I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, I guess we don't really know if yeah. there's a genetic explanation. And it's easy, like we said, to assume that we'll be able to get pregnant. Um, and something we maybe kind of take for granted. Yeah. That will happen when we get married um, as the natural next step. So it's definitely humbling when that doesn't happen. And I think what this causes us to realize in a deeper way is that children are from the Lord. Mm. You know, it isn't right. just this physical or biological thing that we do ourselves. You know, it isn't, you know, going to happen because our our parents had a bunch of kids. Right. It is children not from the Lord. Yeah. It's not something we can put in our five-year plan, you yeah. know, or our, on our goal page of our planner. It's definitely not. Yeah. It's, it's from God. Yeah. Now, did yeah. you um, seek out medical help? What, what kinds of questions did you wrestle with as you decided what to do with it? Because I know there are some options out there. You, you kind of alluded to a few earlier on. So um, what did you do with that? Yeah. Yeah. So I had the test to look for hormonal or thyroid problems or other things, and I had an ultrasound to see if there were any concerns there. And like I said, I tried medicine for a while, and my husband was also tested. Um, my husband and I did have conversations about how much control or, you know, could we or should we have over our infertility in regards to medical intervention. Mm. Um, I think I think the question we had was, are we trusting God if we go and have things medically done. Oh, that's um, a very tricky question. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think we felt fine about doing the initial testing to see if there were problems preventing us from being able to get pregnant. Um, and we didn't have a problem with taking the medicine to help, you know, us try to get pregnant. Um, but, you know, as I said, in the end, we were told that it was unexplained mm. infertility um, and that we had a very low chance of being able to get pregnant. Um, 
maybe slightly higher with more invasive treatment, especially as Ben talked about uh, doing invasive exploratory surgeries that may or may not help determine the cause of infertility. Mm. Um, and we did not want to do more invasive treatments or surgeries. I've had a number of surgeries in my past, and I personally just did not want to go there. Right. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't you know, a matter of thinking that it was wrong to do that. I just, we personally didn't want to do that. Right. Um, there are wonderful medical interventions that we can do in our day and age, which can help people be able to have children. But in our case, with it being unexplained infertility, it left us with either sur surgery for further exploration or the next thing um, the fertility specialist said was in vitro fertilization. Mm. And for anyone who doesn't know what IVF, uh, in vitro fertilization is, this is where right. they take your, your eggs and his sperm to create embryos in the lab. And they create several embryos and then implant them, um, a couple or a few, at once in your womb. The rest are frozen or discarded. Right. And that freezing or discarding of embryos is the dis, uh, disregarding or even taking of life. And, right. and this is, is sinful. Yes, you know, it is. God is, is the giver of life, and so our desire to have children should not lead us to disregard that life. Right. So as Christians, we, we couldn't do this. Yeah, you know? I agree with you, yes. Yeah. Um, one of the bigger struggles for us in infertility is that loss of control, which you mentioned. You know, in our day and age particularly, we're very prone to think we have control over this. Right. Which is what has led to things like IVF. Um, but as Christians, our infertility should lead us to rely on God and remember that he is the creator and giver of life. He decides if, when, and how we have children. So we just have to remind ourselves of that throughout the process. You know, whatever... Whatever treatments or, um, you know, explorations or things that you do, you know, that's, we just need to be remembering that as Christians. Right. Yeah, it's, um, it sounds like you um, have had to practice a lot of, oh, taking your thoughts captive, like going back yeah. to God's word or reminding yourself of truth. And yeah. um, through all, all of this, because it, it sounds like it's quite the process. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very, definitely very emotional. I mean, yeah. I remember sitting on the end of my bed one night just, like, weeping mm. before God. Like, I mm. just desire children so much and just, like, just laying my heart out before God. Mm. Like, please know my desire, you know, and please right. would you give me children, but then also just please help me to trust you for this right. you know it's like uh, this is this is what you you know this is in your hands right but just yeah it's it's hard wow and, and what about when women around you are having babies I, I, I know I said or getting pregnant I know that I earlier said that I really didn't deal with infertility but I do remember a very short time after my husband and I got married and um, we really wanted to start right away having babies like that was my plan. I was all for this. Um, but I didn't get pregnant right away. I mean, six months later I got pregnant, but I remember a friend of mine got pregnant in that six months. My sister, who already had a child, was pregnant again. And, I mean, my experience is very, is very small, but I remember the pain and just feeling really, every time they got pregnant, every, someone else around me, I just didn't know what to do. How do you deal with your own sorrow when 
rejoicing in the gifts that God has actually given to others? Yeah, oh, that is a great question. With our tendency as women to compare, this is a big struggle. Yes, in all kinds of areas um, too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like I said, the years I was struggling with infertility, I was working as the secretary at our church. And so, in our bulletin, we would list, we have a list of the women who are pregnant, so we can oh. pray for them under the prayer list. So, I would be one of the first people to find out when, right. um, you know, someone got pregnant. And uh, it was, it was oh. definitely, I, I just remember lots of struggles when I was working in the office of, like, just, I guess, feeling grief. You yeah. know, I would hear their news, and while well, on the one hand, I am happy for her, but it was just so closely connected to what I wanted and wasn't getting myself. Right. That it, I really definitely struggled with bitterness, you mm. know, um, and fighting that. And I saw that in myself. I knew that I was, I was being bitter. Um, I think. Also, though, I, something that helped me, and I don't remember where I heard this or who told me this, but somebody helped me understand that there is um, a difference between, you know, I can be happy for the woman who is newly pregnant, and I can be sad for mm. myself and not being pregnant at the same time. Those aren't in conflict with each other. Right. It's not like if I feel sad when I hear the news that someone else is pregnant that I'm not being happy for them. It's just right. it's so closely, you know, such a close reminder of the pain that I, you know, right. of what right. I want and the, my struggle. So that kind of helped me because it was like, no, I actually am happy for these women. Right. I want, you know, my friends and the women in the church to have babies. Right. It's not like I'm wishing on the, on others that they are, don't have that joy. Right. Um, so that was helpful, but but it definitely caused me to just be bitter about like, well, why can't that be the same for me? Why can't mm. I get that? You know. Um, and so I think what I realized is I needed to start disciplining myself to fight that bitterness. Mm. Um, and so. And I, I think one of the best ways to do that is to take our minds off ourselves and put it on others and yep. to, to love others. And so I started to um, get, get in the habit of when I would get that news of somebody else being pregnant to pray, praise God for the new life that he had created mm. and pray for the mom and pray for her strength and her health in the pregnancy and for the health of the baby, and um, know that this was a work of God, and just yep. praise God for it, and yes. just kind of take my mind off of myself and put it on others and be able to rejoice. Um, so, you know, in Romans 12, it talks about um, rejoice with those who rejoice right. and weep with those who weep, and so, yeah. you know, we yeah. need to be rejoiced. Definitely. That is really good advice. <laughs> I mean, I was, as you were telling that, I was putting myself in your shoes thinking about that. And that is a huge challenge. Yeah. I love the step-by-step -step thing you kind of reminded us of how to deal with it. 
you know, taking, thinking about things and readjusting your mind and serving others in some way, like prayer. That's amazing. Yeah. What a great practical thing to do. And you can even pray, as you said, you can, you know, have sorrow and joy in the same moment. Well, that yeah. can still be even in the same prayer. You know, yeah, yeah, so it, it, it can be in the, in the same thing. So that's really good advice. Um, yeah. Okay, as I did the research, I, I, I um, really realized that infertility is actually a grieving process. You know, grief is usually when something dies. But in the case of infertility, it's that hope of bearing your own children. So do yeah. you think you went through a grieving process? What did that look like? You know, what are some practical things that you did? Uh, that women might want to follow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I did. We did go through a grieving process. Um, you know, I think people grieve in different ways. I often take a while to process an emotionally difficult thing. <laughs> so for me, I'm often quiet for a while and think about it, and the emotions kind of sink in. Right. And then yeah. usually I cry and can talk about it. Um, in this particular grief and loss of a hope, it's, you know, important to remember that it's not ours alone. Mm -hmm. This is a loss for both you and your husband, you know, so, um, you know, we have, we can't shut him out in the grieving process. Yeah, that's um, a good point because I bet marriages struggle when mm -hmm. things like this happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember, right, I think, we had a fight in the car huh? after we left the fertility doctor. Yes. <laughs> and I, I can't even remember exactly what it was about. Um, I think probably it had something to do with me not feeling like he was having the emotions I thought he should have or something. It was dumb and not even <laughs> true. But <laughs> that's another way that we grieve sometimes is misguided anger. Right. Um, and what I was really angry about was that we couldn't have children. Right, right. Um, it wasn't actually my husband, but, you know, we let it out sometimes in the wrong ways, but um, then I think when we drove home, we were just quiet, and sometime later, I cried, and then we cried together. We talked about it together and cried together, um, because really, we both were really sad about it. Sure. Um, my husband really wanted this, too, and so he was grieving as well, um, but I think being able to grieve together really helpful and yeah. definitely much better than what I was initially letting my grief do yeah. <laughs> which was right. like lash out at him yeah um so I think there's you know I think there's a number of things that we grieve with infertility it's we're grieving the loss of having biological children you know having something from you and your husband come together and creating something that's you right, right. and I mean we look forward to that I remember thinking like so my husband used to have um, really big curly hair. Oh, big blonde curly, like almost like a fro. He doesn't <laughs> have hair, hair anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> we might have to and put a I'm, picture in our show notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we have a pretty good picture of it. <laughs> um, but I remember thinking, oh, it'd be so cool. You know, one day would we have maybe a little girl with like really right. beautiful blonde ringlets? You know. Yeah. Um, so there's that grief. Um, there might be the 
grieving the loss of being able to be a parent. I mean, not everyone's necessarily going to go on to adoption like we did. Right. So you might just be grieving that. And, and you might not even know right away that you're going to go on to adoption right. if you do end up doing that, you know. So, and then like I said earlier, the loss of privacy um, and then the loss of control, which I've mentioned. So there's, there's a number of different things that are going on. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's interesting um, because when you think of grief, um, if I think of grief like when my father died, I had grief probably for a little while. Then I moved on. This is a different kind of grief because it it's it's a little bit more long lasting. Maybe it depends mm -hmm. on the person, but mm -hmm. it yeah. you know I, I think when you're you're grieving the death of someone, it's a little bit different. This is a process. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because, well, for a lot of years, you're trying to figure it out. Right, right. And, yeah. So, mm. and then just think about, okay, what's this going to mean for our lives? What do right. we do now? And yeah, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we took time before we moved on to adoption again to grieve. Um, we prayed together. And we prayed separately. Writing, for me, is a way that I process what I'm going through, and it's a way oh. that I'm helped in processing things spiritually. So I wrote about the experience with fertility specialists and hearing the diagnosis and processed mm. through writing what God was doing in my life um, and what my struggles had been and what his will for my life was as a woman if I could have children. Mm. So Do you still, I, I, you still have those like there in a journal? Well, actually what I ended up doing is writing this out and then I ended up publishing it on Warhorn Media as an oh. article. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I, I, initially I published it anonymously because I, I, got, I think because I was grieving and I just yeah. didn't necessarily want my name connected to it. I just thought right. it would maybe be helpful for other people who are going through the same thing. <laughs> sure, I think that's so, great. Yeah, so now I'm far enough past it, my name is on it, but Anyway, well, so. well, is it available online somewhere? Yeah. Okay, on so Warhead we, we can, Media, yeah. great, we'll put that on our show notes too because I'm sure that there will be people who would love to read that. Oh, okay, well, there's one more thing that I did um, that I wanted to mention in terms of grieving. Um, there was a, there is a Titus II woman in my church, a very close friend of mine, older woman, um, and I just, I can talk to her about anything, oh. and she helps me so much. I, I just really don't know where I'd be without her. But, um, you know, she lets me process what I'm grieving. My talks, you know, lets me process yep. through the spiritual struggles and just really gives me good, helpful, and godly advice about whatever I'm going through. So That's I'd awesome. encourage any woman going through this, if they don't already have someone like that in their life, to, to find an older godly woman who could help them grieve. Yeah, that, that is so, so good. It, you mentioned the word um, church culture. I love that. I just heard that somewhere else recently, so that must be a new phrase coming out. But the, oh. <laughs> the church culture is, is a really great place to be if yeah. you're in a healthy oh. church because there's yeah. so many people that you can reach out to. And I love that using it, yeah. a Titus II woman. I know for me, I have a couple in my life like that. And boy, have they been so helpful. Yeah. Uh, helping. I don't know where I would yeah. be. 
I mean, and, and I know men can be helpful. Our husbands can be great, great help to us. But your husband yeah. was grieving too. And sometimes right. my husband who loves God and loves me, he doesn't always know, like maybe he doesn't even, he's just like, I'm not even sure what to do right now. You know, I want to I wanna right. lead you in the right way, but sometimes I have to work through all my emotions first and figure yeah. something out. So I love that. And, yeah. and I, I can think personally of the, I, would, I love the name Titus II woman, a few of them that have walked alongside of me through some dark things. And you know what? That is the same thing. The same as what you're going through in regard to a Titus II woman. They're so beneficial. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, and to understand, too, just, you know, some of what you're going through just simply is the fact that they're a woman. You know, well, that's understand. right. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, that's yeah. what I meant by my husband's like, I'm not even sure what I, to think right now, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, go talk to your friend. No, he doesn't. He doesn't exactly, yeah. always send me off, but. Um, but it is good. It is good. And it yeah. is what God intended. I mean, the Bible talks about, about that older women leading younger women. It's important. So, yeah. Okay. One of my listeners that wrote in said, wrote a question that I sat there and, and just thought, wow, I never would have thought about this question. Um, and the question was this, um, I, I'm sorry. The question was this, how did you deal with envy when you struggled with infertility? She said, I find it easy to avoid those with babies and who are pregnant, and I try not to ask them anything about it because it just hurts too much. I care about them, but I find it is really hard. It's easier to talk about other things and just ignore that. Yeah, yeah. I completely relate with this struggle. Um, there was a time where I wanted to avoid the children at church, the mm. mothers who were pregnant or had babies. I remember finding an excuse um, walk away shortly after someone had told me she was pregnant. Mm. I remember saying no thanks at different times when somebody asked if I wanted to hold a baby. Mm. You know, there were times where I kind of like mentally shook my head or rolled my eyes if I heard that there was a woman struggling to find out that they were pregnant for the fifth or sixth time. Right, right. Um, So yeah, I I definitely get that Mm. that struggle. Um, But Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Mm. So when we're envious, we can find opportunities for bitterness all around us. Um, And we need to start by praying for God's grace to fight that sin. We need to recognize the roots of bitterness in us and the danger of that bitterness. So this verse says it causes trouble, and by it, many become defiled. Yeah. Well, we don't we don't want to be the one causing trouble or defiling other people, you know? Right. Because I mean, we lead other people by our examples, and so um, so we need to be praying for God's help in this. Absolutely. Um, I think we can look at the examples of women in the Bible who struggled with infertility. You mentioned earlier Hannah and Sarah. Um, Hannah prayed, you know, she was in the temple, and um, Eli thought she was drunk, right? Right, right. <laughs> She was, like, praying so earnestly. Um, and Sarah repented of her bitterness mm. and, and ended up having faith. And yep. I think these women help us feel a little bit less crazy for having such a strong desire for right. children. Yep. Um, but they also lead us in how to respond. Yes. You know? 
Yes. Praying, repenting, yeah. having faith. Yeah, they're both great examples because um, I love that they're, they're, they, they have emotions, they have desires, mm -hmm. but Absolutely. they don't, and, and when they've sinned, they, they walk away from that sin, they repent. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think some practical things we should do to fight bitterness is give ourselves to loving these women and children who we find it particularly our, our struggles of bitterness particularly difficult mm. <laughs> around. Um, so seeing this trouble in myself, I um, I realized it was wrong for me to be treating people this way. Um, so I started trying to talk more to the kids at church. Mm. Um, and um, finding opportunities to babysit for women in the church and hold children. Mm -hmm. If somebody asked me to hold a baby or even asked to hold a baby um, and just try to find practical ways to love the people around me and love particularly these people. And really what I found is that it helped me fight my bitterness, but it helped me love them more. Like, yeah, well, so just practical things like that. I think uh, that's interesting. I think bitterness, uh, we actually on the podcast last summer read the book How to Be Free from Bitterness by Jim Wilson. Mm -hmm. And oh, cool. um, I don't know if you've read it, mm -hmm. but it is no. so good. We did a little oh, book, cool. a book together. And I tell you what, um, one of the things that I pulled from that book is you got to work on bitterness. <laughs> you cannot just let it sit there. It does no. not go away. Yep. So if you don't work, and it just it just eats up. And so I love your examples of work. I mean, you did some work. You went yeah. and held babies, and you babysat and talked to women who were pregnant. And I know that was hard, but that's really a good example. Yeah, and it it did help me really because I really started to just love the children in our church. My mm. husband and I started teaching the four-year-old Sunday school class. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a busy group of kids. Four-year-olds are my favorite. Yeah. I mean, they are hilarious. Yep. I loved that, yeah. doing that with my husband. And, and, and being in their homes and getting to know them, yep. the kids are just so, they give themselves to you, you know? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and, and it's just, it's helpful. Yep. So, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, another question from one of our listeners is, how do you avoid being a rain cloud at special things like baby showers or meeting little ones or hearing pregnancy announcements? Um, she said, my first reaction is just to cry. Uh, how do you show you're genuinely happy for them, even in your own pain? Yeah, that's a good question, too. Um, so I thought of Philippians 2, 3 through 5. It says, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit. But with humility, consider one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Mm. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Mm. I love Philippians. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's such a powerful and helpful verse for yep. things like this, because these are really real struggles, and I get that. But, you know, your first reaction is to want to cry because it just brings up your yep. own pain so, so quickly. Um, but, you know, 
like we mentioned before, we can be genuinely happy for others while also being sad over our own situation. These aren't in conflict with each other. Um, but it's when we allow our sadness over our situation to keep us from being happy for others that we're letting that bitterness come in right. and not loving others as we should. So, yeah. you know, um, again, just similar examples as before, we really do need to give ourselves to these things, to these people. Um, mm. I know it seems hard, but I think you really will find that your obedience to God will strengthen and comfort you. Mm. I, I really found a lot of comfort by giving myself to these women. Mm. Um, and, and it's just it's a taking your eyes off yourself kind of thing, you know? Like, yes. You know, when we go to a baby shower and we, we're feeling really sad because it's just like a reminder in your face of what you don't have that you want so much, you know, we can walk around that shower internally just thinking about how sad we are and how much I wish this was me for right. me and you know all those things but if we go into that baby shower and we think I'm going to ask these other women how they're doing and I'm going to go to the, the mother we're having the shower for and I'm going to rejoice with her and you just turn your eyes outward right it is a comfort yeah to you. definitely I mean that's a <laughs> there's a lot of principles in this conversation that can be applied other places too that's one, yeah. anytime you're um, self-focused, turn your eyes outward. You know, anytime you're going through something that feels bad, that is such a good thing to do. Go, go talk to somebody. That's great. Now, I have not experienced this exact struggle. So there's other women listening probably in the same situation that I'm in. Um, and sometimes we just don't say the right thing. We say something that sounds right or that we think sounds good. Or I have often stumbled in a conversation and thought, I can't believe I just said that. Like, that did not come off wrong. Did you get comments that were hard or seemed insensitive? And what did you do with those? Yeah. Um, well, one that I first thought of, and I don't actually remember if someone specifically asked me this, but I know it's, it's something that um, women struggling with infertility do get asked sometimes. So I wanted to talk about it, okay. which is sometimes people – might ask, um, you know, so is it you or your husband that you're not able to have children? Ah, uh, um, yes. And so I think what we have to remember with this question is that um, it's our infertility is involved two people. It isn't just about us. So um, we have to remember when we talk to our friends that we're not just telling our story. This mm. is our husband's story, too. <laughs> right. Um, so we need to be sensitive when we share with others to respect our husbands. Mm. And really, most of the time, that question either is appropriate or is just not helpful. <laughs> yeah. Like, why um, does it even so, matter? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, ha I, I do know that that's a question that sometimes yep. gets asked. And um, so I was, I was talking with a friend of mine who also um, has struggled with infertility, and we were talking about this question you know, maybe somebody had I, I honestly can't remember because this was something I thought about mm. but um, anyway so she had a great answer and what she said is the way we can answer somebody if they ask us that question is you know it actually isn't important whose struggle it is mm. what's important is that at this point it isn't God's will for us to have children yeah. but we'd love to have children and we'd love for you to pray for us in this you know because this is really a desire of our heart. So if you 
if you could pay for it, isn't it? That'd be great. <laughs> that <laughs> Something is, like that. That is a really wise answer. Really wise. Yeah, that was so that was really helpful. So one thing that I found difficult once we decided to adopt was when people said that once we adopted, I would probably get pregnant. Oh. And oh, that's I interesting. Know, yeah, and I know I know people meant that meant it as an encouragement. But I think it bothered me for a couple reasons. Um, one is that no one really knew if that was going to happen. So it seemed like it was kind of offering false hope. Right. Um, and then I think the other reason it bothered me is because it kind of felt like um, they were saying adoption isn't what we really want. Um, but mm. once we did that, then maybe we'd get the thing we actually wanted. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. So I know that's not actually the thought process people were, you know, were going through when they right. said that. Um, and probably I was being oversensitive. <laughs> uh, but by the time we decided to do adoption, we'd already grieved not having children biologically. And we were excited about adoption. Yeah. So it sort of, it brushed off the joy we were having in adoption now. And... Um, it brushed off the wonderful thing that adoption is in itself. Right. I felt like so. I don't know. That was that was something that was kind of hard for me. And um, I don't think I usually said anything when people said this because I knew it wasn't a malicious thing. You right. know that people meant well. Um, but it was something that I emotionally had to process and would talk to my husband about later. And his advice was that um, when people have insensitive comments to use it as an opportunity to educate people on what they're communicating. Hmm. Because people who haven't walked through these paths aren't going to have thought all these things through the way we have, and we shouldn't expect them to have, you know. Hmm. Um, but we can help others know what we're going through and how they could be an encouragement to us better. So Yeah, that's really interesting because um, <laughs> that's a really great perspective. And it's kind of crazy what a great perspective that is. Like that's really interesting that you can flip it and realize they, they're trying to do well. They're trying to say something kind, but they just don't have the background, the education to be able to really understand all the things that you've learned. And really yeah. what you're giving them is grace and forgiveness, which is hard, but that's amazing. Hmm. Yeah, um, my, my husband's been really helpful to me in that. So. Yeah, that was wise. That sounds like a husband comment to me. It sounds like someone who just is good at giving <laughs> good facts, and I love that. <laughs> yeah, That's yes, great. he's good. He's good at that. <laughs> yep. How did you allow your local church body to walk alongside you in the struggle? And one question that I was wondering is, was it difficult to receive counsel from, like, the Titus II women or other women like that who actually had never had your struggle? remember struggling to receive counsel from those who hadn't gone through the same okay. thing. Um, I just remember a real genuine love and care for my church family. Mm. Um, you know, I mentioned the women's Bible study group that I was in, being able to share prayer requests, and I, the women there were just so compassionate, you know, mm. with me, and I didn't feel like people were, like, trying to reach at me or, I don't know, act like they knew better when they hadn't been through mm. it or anything like that. Um, 
I uh, had mentioned how I found encouragement from my pastors. Yeah. You know, to have faith. Um, I talked to a friend who had gone through the same struggles. You know, there's. I have a few friends actually who mm. struggle with infertility. So that is helpful. You yeah. know, to, have, to talk to people who, who do get it. Um, um, and then for me, just becoming more open about it uh, strengthened my faith um, to be able to have other people pray for me because mm. I haven't always been, you know, very open. So that's something my, my church family has helped me with. And, and it is a help to see people caring for you. I yes. mean, there was even like an older man in our church who would tell me every once in a while, I, you know, I'm praying for you Aww. to have children. And oh, what did he say? I'm trying to remember now because I remember there was one day he said something so encouraging. <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> what it I just can't remember. This, this older man in the church was just such an encouragement. Yeah. I'm like, you know, he's as far from being able to right. understand the struggle of infertility. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so really just people's compassion is, yeah. is huge. And that what would encourage me is like this man you you brought up, like, you know, he spent some of his time praying for you. Yeah. That's always yeah. impressive to me. And I'm always like almost in tears when I am going through something and someone will send me a note or a text and they prayed for me. And they go, I prayed for you, Julie. I prayed for this situation. What an encouragement to yeah. know that somebody else is praying for me. Who Yeah. You know, maybe in his case, he's not, that's not where he's at, so that's great. Right, yeah, it's really cool. Okay, another yeah, And actually, a really, this is a side note, you don't have to put this in okay. the podcast, but this, this same man, um, the week we got Ilsa and we were in the hospital with her, he was in the hospital because he had cancer. Oh. He was in the hospital with cancer treatment, and oh. we um, texted a picture of, of the baby to our pastor who happened to be at the hospital visiting this man. Oh, wow. And shared the picture with him. And they said his face just lit up and he just was so happy. Aww. Isn't that sweet? Oh, very <laughs> sweet. It, that's really cool. And I, that's just really cool how God ordained you guys to be in the same place. You know, know. and your pastor to be right there. That's awesome. Okay, another listener asked another question, Katie, and I actually thought this was a really important one, and I had never thought about it. Um, and I really appreciate there was a couple of women that helped me with this podcast particularly because they wrote me in some questions because I was having a hard time coming up with questions that would be real, and I think they gave me some good ones. Okay, so here's what she writes. Each month is like I'm caught in a cycle. I have my period, and I'm reminded of my miscarriages. The pain is similar, the thoughts are similar, and it's another reminder that I am still not pregnant. My period ends, and then I'm hopeful. Maybe this month will be it. I kind of know when I'm ovulating, ovulation week comes, and I start to change from hopeful to doubtful. Doubtful it will be this month, that God would answer our prayers this month. Then the two weeks of waiting. These weeks are so hard, lots of emotions, 
One moment I think God will answer this prayer and the next I don't think that at all. I take a test or my period comes and I tell my husband who also wants this a lot, it's not this month either. This is a sad and dark day for me. And then the cycle restarts. I mean, I, just stopping there for a minute, wow. Yeah. I'd never yeah. thought about this ever. So, mm. Katie, how do you live outside of your cycle? Uh, yeah. Or do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a totally emotional roller coaster. That waiting and hoping can seem eternal. And every time you're a day or more late starting your period, your hopes rise. If you add in how your body feels and questioning, do I feel this way because I'm pregnant? Or right. maybe it's because I'm about to start my period. It's just, right. it's, it's really hard. Um, waiting to find out the answer between two opposite ends of the spectrum, you know, joy and excitement over something that will, you know, would completely change your life right. to, like, total disappointment. So, yeah, it's it's a hard time. And how do we not let that consume us? Because it's every month. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like I said before, God uses suffering in our lives, no matter what it is, to lead us to him. With every cycle and emotional up and down we experience each month, we have an opportunity to know God better. Mm. So Hebrews 4, 15 through 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things just as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help at the time mm. of our need. Jesus suffered and far more than we have. So there's nothing we can suffer or go through that he can't sympathize with. But he suffered without sinning. So we need to look to him as our example in whatever we're going through. So every month, as you start the emotional roller coaster, go to Jesus with it. Mm. We need to be praying our way through the whole thing. Praying that God will prepare our hearts for whatever the answer is that month. Praying that we'll trust him and not be angry if the answer is no again. Mm. We can approach his throne of grace with confidence because of Jesus Christ. And um, mm. Yeah, I, I definitely remember mm. praying a lot, like, uh, you know, Lord, if I'm going to, if it's not going to be this month, would you just let me start now, you know? This, right. Because I, I had, I was kind of irregular, and so it just really seemed like uh, a really eternal wait. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, and then just praying, you know, please, Lord, help me not be angry if your answer is no this month. and. Right. So, yeah, just praying that God will prepare our hearts for, for whatever it is. Um, mm. You know, and thinking about Jesus' example, he loved and served others even in his suffering. Okay, so Katie, it's really interesting that you brought up the fact that Jesus suffered and far more than we ever have. Last week on the podcast, we had a woman on, her name is Julie, and Julie brought this up then too. It's interesting how God brings these things up. She went through a lot of trouble with the death of her daughter through cancer, and then she personally had cancer. There was just a lot in her story. And this, she said, was so encouraging to her because she realized if Jesus suffered way more than she ever did, then he would know what it was like. And he could come alongside of her. 
And I think yeah. that's what you've shared. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah. I mean, what a comfort. Yep. You know, we're tempted to think we're alone yeah. in our suffering sometimes, but we're, we're not. not. Not really at all. Not. Yeah. Um, memorizing scripture, I think, can also be mm. a big help. Claiming a verse like, you know, like this, this Hebrews one yeah. or um, something, you know, something else that would help you. And just repeating it over and over during each, each month wait. Yeah, so you had mentioned earlier, you know, maybe just sending a quick text to a friend um, asking for prayer. Yeah. And so I think that's a great thing you could do. Just, you know, just, hey, having a hard time, could you please pray for me today? Just knowing somebody else is out there just kind of helping you bear your burden. Yeah. Um, you know, and then and back to what we were learning from Jesus' example, um, finding a way to get outside of ourselves and serve someone else. You know, Jesus did this constantly. <laughs> mm. Um, yes. We can become so absorbed in this repeating cycle, and so we really need to be disciplining ourselves against becoming self-absorbed and finding ways to to get outside of ourselves. So, yeah, that's really, really great. Great. You know, it's interesting. Um, these themes that you keep repeating, which I think are good, serve other people. Go do things for others. That's you've said that multiple times today. And, and you've talked about scripture and being in, a, in the body of Christ, letting the body of Christ help you and yeah. developing relationships with people and talking about it. Maybe it's not something you post on Facebook or you, you know, maybe right. it's not something you announce to everybody. But I, I, I think those are just really good practical things um, that yeah. just keep coming up and up. And I, I think it's good to remember those in any trial, really. Mm-hmm. Now... Um, how do you practically trust God day to day, even through the nose? Acting in hope, maybe trying for a baby again next month, or accepting the no? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's everything we just mentioned, but it's like working out. You know, we don't we don't do it once and become instantly fit. That we would have be to keep awesome. Doing it. Yeah. If we could do that. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, but we, yeah, we, I mean, we have, it's, pro, it's uh, we have to keep doing it to see progress. And it's yeah. difficult and it hurts when we first start, but the more we do it, the easier it becomes and the stronger we get. And so the same is true for our progress and sanctification. We have um, to have faith in our infertility and God will sanctify us through it. So every yeah. day we have to keep praying. We have yep. to keep looking to Jesus as our example. We have to follow his example, loving those around us. And we have to be in God's word and holding fast to it and letting other people in to help us bear the burden. So it's just, it's a day-to-day thing. I'll just do it once. (laughs) Good to go. Right. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah. um, I heard somebody mention one time that this, the same kind of concept is really true in any challenge we're going through is all the, 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 the trials that we have in our life that we face in the everyday and we practice praying and we practice trusting and we practice going back to God's word, they're the things we might call them sanctification throughout the day, that they are all really prepping us for some of the big trials that we go through because we're yeah. now, we've practiced. Now we're ready yeah. for the game, you know, or we're ready f- 
to, to do the thing that's in front of us because we've got the practice. That's good, yeah. Okay, so one thing we always do on the podcast is we are huge proponents of reading your Bible consistently. Um, I, I think I'm, I just finished my eighth or ninth year of reading through the Bible in a year, which I also think is great if you can do it. That's awesome, um, yeah. And, it's, I, and then I stopped and thought, I'm just going to hang out in the Minor Prophets this year. Let's see what this is like. Because yeah, I, was, yeah. I always read through them so fast. I know, I know. Some of those books you feel like, you know, they're Genesis, Exodus, those first like five books, yep. you feel like you get those a lot. Yep, I agree with you. <laughs> and then there's a bunch, yeah. Yep, so I got to hang out in Habakkuk or Haggai sometime. Yeah. Um, anyway, cool. I like that. But we always talk about that on the podcast how important the Bible is and that it should be our guidebook, that it's, it's the thing we should go back to. And that really the Bible says and gives us wisdom on virtually everything in life. I mean, okay, it doesn't tell us what to make for dinner, but it, it certainly talks about things rela- relating to our work that we do, for example, which yes. does help us to know we have to make dinner. So does yep. <laughs> what were some of the things that you, some of the verses or passages that you clung to during this time? Because sometimes women need the scripture nuggets to just hold on to. Yeah, yeah. Um, looking at the examples of women in the Bible who struggled with infertility was helped me, as I mentioned. Um, but I think the verse that absolutely helped me the greatest was Galatians 4, 26 and 27. It says, For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. Mm. This verse is talking about spiritual children. This really gave me the greatest help and answer in my my desire to be a mother and my struggle with infertility. So you know how I said earlier how I questioned if I should keep desiring children when mm-hmm. it seemed clear God wasn't giving that? And you know how we also talked about the sense of shame women often yes. feel in their infertility? Like you've failed as a woman if you can't have children. Well, here's another verse that helped me answer this. Genesis 3.20. Now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. Mm. So motherhood is built into the very fibers of our being. God created women to bear fruit. So we should absolutely not squelch our desire to be a mother. Mm. But, but clearly God doesn't call every woman to be a physical mother of children that she's born. But we can all be mothers of spiritual children, and as Christian women, we should be spiritual mothers to those around us. So Deborah, in the Old Testament, uh, was called a mother in Israel. She was, she, uh, because she called others to love God and to follow his commands. She was one of the judges of Israel. And Matthew Henry, the commentator, says she was, diligently promoting the salvation of their souls. Hmm. But he, he goes on to say that her being a mother in Israel also meant that she called her own soul to be in earnest. Hmm. And I'll just read this quote. He says, He that will set the hearts of other men on fire with the love of Christ must himself burn with love. Praising God is a work we should awake to. Hmm. So I started thinking, well, could I be a mother of Israel? <laughs> Right, and then it and then it was like, well, as a Christian, I should be. Yeah. So if I'm to be a mother of Israel, 
by loving the souls of others and leading them in praise of God, I realized there's no room for bitterness in that calling. Bitterness mm. and gratitude towards God cannot coexist. Mm. So um, there was a time when I didn't want to help with the children's midweek programs. But eventually, my husband and I did get involved, and I was surprised to find that the children of the church ministered to me. You know, I was Aww. mentioning this earlier. <laughs> yeah. Their eagerness to learn, their hugs, their excitement to tell me about something in their week. And I, I came to love them mm. um, as they managed to help chase my bitterness away and give me joy. Um, so I, I, I think when we're obedient to God and putting to death our bitterness and envy, he blesses that. We can become so focused on how we want to become a mother and what we think that should look like that we miss out on opportunities all around us right now to be a mother. Right. So yeah, that was that was a huge help to me. Yeah, that is really, um, it's really great to think through. Sometimes we have to stop and pause and think, you know, what are you doing, God, and what are you expecting of me right now, and you and other women who are struggling this way, what a blessing you are to, to children of the church because that gives them a chance, another outlet, and it's great to be a mother of Israel. That's a beautiful thing to be. As you go and serve women, serve children, and care for them, that's, a, that's great. I love that. That's a great illustration. Um, so I have one more question relating to infertility, and then I want to jump into talking a little bit about your adoption right short here at the end of our episode. Um, but I wanted to end with, um, in the infertility section, what has God taught you about himself through your struggle with infertility? Yeah, I've learned in a much more personal way that God is the creator and giver of life, mm. that his timing is right and good even when it doesn't make sense <laughs> to yeah. me at the time. Um, he created my life, and he gave me spiritual life, and he has a purpose for it. Um, so God's shown me more closely his patience with my sin <laughs> um, yeah. and his grace in helping me fight my sin because there's you know, clearly been so much of that throughout this struggle. Um, so he's shown me that by his grace and the work of the Holy Spirit, I can have victory mm. over those sins of bitterness mm. and envy and actually have joy for others when their story is different than mine. Mm. So God is so kind to do, you know, difficult work in yeah. our lives to bring him glory and make us more effective in his kingdom. Yeah. So patient. And um, I, you're, you're, not, you're sort of on the other side of it, in some ways, because you're at a spot where you have adopted a, a beautiful daughter and she's yours. And that's wonderful. And it's great because right now you can kind of look back a little bit and see. Um, but I love that you brought out how God changed you and mm, brought out sins, but then also helped you work through those. That really is God's kindness to us. Yes. And it's good. Okay, let's, let's talk a little bit about this blessing of your daughter. Uh, what's her name again? Ilsa. Ilsa. What a beautiful name. I love it. Um, tell me a little bit about her. She is, she's always been a very, 
calm, um, cheerful little girl. Uh. <laughs> um, and she, I think she's very emotionally aware. She seems to pick up on tone of voice and facial expressions really, you know, like, for example, I'll be talking on the phone, and as soon as I say, well, which is sort of the, like, I'm about to end this conversation, <laughs> she'll say, bye, bye. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> so, you know, we're like different times that my husband and I have been talking, and, you know, if I'm emotional, she's just very, like, you know, she'll, like, pat my uh-huh. shoulder, or, you know, I don't know, she just seems very emotionally aware, so that's kind of interesting. Yes. Um, she also loves to tease, and she loves to be teased, so I love her sense of humor. <laughs> but she's a lot of fun. Oh, that's great. Now, um, as we said earlier, you made a decision to adopt. What caused you to do that? What caused you to want to do this adoption? So early on in our marriage, we had talked about adoption. Just we both thought it was a great thing and thought that maybe it would be something we would consider down the road, but thought, well, let's, you know, have biological children first, and then maybe someday we'll do adoption. Okay. Um, and then, you know, of course, infertility led us to consider it more seriously and then to eventually do it. So, um, and so what has the process been like? Like, what are some of the great things, the wonderful things, and some of the more harder things through the process of adoption? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll talk about some of the hard things first. First, for me, was the realization that there would be birth parents in the picture. Oh, um, yeah. I hadn't, I mean, it's dumb, but I hadn't really given that much thought. So I think I mentioned at the very beginning when I was sharing our story a little bit, uh, um, when we started looking into adoption agencies um, at the same time as going through fertility treatments and stuff, that we ended up taking a break. So right. one of the reasons was because it was too emotional to do both tracks at the same time. But the other reason is because we went to this agency and they were, you know, giving their introductory introductory um, presentation and they were talking about the birth mom and what she goes through and how we really need to care about the birth mom and consider the pain of what she's going through and, you know, the difficulty of that choice and the, you know, yeah. all these things. And then, and then the importance of um, having an open adoption and, mm. you know, how helpful that is for the birth mom, but really also for the adopted child, for us. You know, as adoptive parents, how it just it answers a lot of questions. It's just a very good, helpful thing. So we've learned a lot about that. But for me, I was sitting there in that meeting, like, no, I don't, I don't want another mom. Like, right. I just want to be the only mom. I just want a baby for me. Right. And so I left that, like, no, I am way too selfish for adoption. Like, mm. I don't know that I can do this. Mm. And so that was one of the big reasons we took a break. Um, in addition to it just being difficult with going through fertility stuff at the same time. Um, And so over the course of the months that we took a break from pursuing adoption, God did a lot of work in my heart to soften me towards birth moms and cause me to think about them, what they're going through, and the sacrifice that they're making to give their child a better life and the help that it would be to our child to, you know, have answers about where 
they've come from and things like that. They had some kind of connection with their birth mom. And so it just totally turned my heart around on all of that. Mm. But that was definitely um, a hard thing at the beginning. Yeah. Um, another hard thing was just more loss of privacy. So once you start the adoption process and you start going through the home study, you have to answer all these questions about your life, your growing up and your family relationships and your relationship with your husband, all this stuff. And I struggle with that because, like, you know, I just, we just want to have children. Right. <laughs> you know, like, there's people out there who shouldn't be parents who have right. them easy. Yep. And, and then there's people like us who I think, you know, I think we'd make okay parents. Right. <laughs> and we've got to go through all this stuff, and we've got to just totally open up our lives and be completely open about everything. And so I, I struggled with that. Um, but again, God did it did work in my life through that, making me realize, like, you know what? It's good that agencies are being careful about who they're placing children with. They want to make sure they're placing children in good homes. And, yeah. you know, like, yep. it's okay. Right. <laughs> so, um I think another hard thing was some responses we got in when we shared that we were going to be adopting. Oh. So naturally, people want um, to just identify with you. You know, they think when you say, oh, this thing is happening in my life, you know, in our minds, we quickly go through, okay, what? how can I relate? You know, right. what do I know about this? Yeah. Um, so that's normal. But for a lot of people, when they hear adoption, they think of, like, the bad adoption stories they've heard mm. because those are the ones that are often talked about. And so people would tell, tell stories of some bad adoption experience. Oh. And that was really hard. That yeah. was really discouraging for me because I kind of had this idea that, like, you know, adopted kids are just always going to have a hard time. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I, since what I've learned is there are lots of good adoption stories. Yeah, <laughs> lots yes. of kids who do fine <laughs> being adopted. Um, but those stories aren't talked about. Right. Because, you know, they're fine. They're we always, the same, yeah. you know? So that's, I think, why there's so much more, like, emphasis or talk on the, the difficult stories. So it's called kind of a false impression. Right. So no, those are some of the hard things. Some of the great things is that... It did force us to grieve and deal with our infertility in a deeper way. Um, it caused us to see that it's not about us and to think about what's best for the child. Mm. Um, so it helped us, you know, fight some of that selfishness, like I mentioned. It caused us to rely on God in the waiting and know that whatever child he brought into our family would be exactly who he wanted us to have. Um, so it took away some of the fears that come with all the unknowns in adoption. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we talked at the beginning about the sovereignty of yep. God, and that has been a huge help yes. to me in this process. Is like God is sovereign. Whoever, whatever child he puts in our family, that's the child he wants in our family. So, you know, if there are hard things or, you know, if there's physical problems or if there's whatever, right. you know, I don't have to be like, oh, did we make a mistake? Right. It's like, this no, that, this is you know, child God wanted us to have. Yep. So that was good. Um, and then the support of so many people. Mm. I mean, I cannot tell you how many people were invested in different ways. Um, that when Ilsa came, it, it was like she was kind
coming into a big, huge family. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, That's people awesome. People in our church were so excited. When we were at the hospital getting her, a couple ladies went to her home. They cleaned. They brought in a bunch of baby stuff because I hadn't done anything to prepare because I didn't know when it was going right. to happen, and I didn't want to be looking at a baby room for whoever, right. however many months. And so they brought in, like, the the co-sleeper, you know, little oh. crib that goes next to the bed. They brought in, like, baby clothes and passies. It's just, like, stuff that I didn't even know to think about, you know? Wow. Um, so that was, that was awesome. You know, other ladies, like, helping me find a pediatrician and... Right. Um, it was just, and then they gave the church gave us a baby shower, uh-huh. and of course we had the baby at that time, and so people there were just like so many people came to that shower and were excited to meet her. So it was cool. It was well, really, really cool. What a and not even just our church, but our families and so yeah. many people. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Well, it's like bam, you're a mom. You know. Yeah. Where uh, if you have a, a biological child, you have a long time. To work towards it but all of a sudden boom mm-hmm. so what a blessing to have your yeah. church family just over just do those things help you with the pediatrician and jump in that's yeah, awesome amazing. it was so awesome yeah so and then of course getting the baby <laughs> yes yes was, was that's the best greatest. thing of all yeah really okay this may seem kind of like a dumb question um but i think it's a good question to ask is this adoption the answer to infertility? Like, you know, adopting a child, is this going to fill the hole and take away that pain? Well, not everyone is called to adoption. You know, each couple is going to have to seek the Lord and get counsel and decide if that's the path they're called to take. Um, ultimately, we're only going to find true and complete fulfillment in the Lord. Right. Like, if you think your life is going to suddenly be great when you have kids, kid um but you're not seeking the lord for contentment now in your infertility right. you're not going to be content when, when you get kids either mm. you know um our true fulfillment comes from the lord so we need to be pursuing that now whatever the circumstances are mm. um for many women adopting uh while it has brought great joy hasn't taken away the longing to conceive and bear a child for me i think to some degree it has um, I still have a great desire to have more children, mm. um, but I don't know. I don't have a, a strong longing or desire to like have them, like bear them physically. You know, mm. biological. I think I am just really excited about adoption. I want to keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> so. But my, but my strong desire for more children, it, it does bring up old sins again at times that I have mm. to keep fighting. So, like, I joined a mom's group after our daughter came. And about a year after, um, I really started struggling again with envy and bitterness. And mm. I talked to one of the leaders, one of the tightest two women in our church, and I said I thought I'd like to be done with the group, but I didn't really feel like it was helping me or that I, I fit in or, or that it was really worth the pain that it was causing me. And I totally expected that she was going to say it was fine for me to be done with the group. Right. That would, instead, that would make yeah. sense to say that. That yeah. would feel like it would make sense. Yeah. 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 So, but no, instead she called me out on my bitterness, which I didn't <laughs> even realize 
thought it, it was bitter. You know, I just oh, wow. thought, well, I, I really want more children. It's hard to sit around this group with, you know, with women have who have lots of kids, you know. Isn't that yes. funny? You know, yes. I've been fighting bitterness all those years, and that here I, I struggle with it again, and I didn't even recognize yes. that's what it was this time, but she was, she saw that, and yep. so she called me out on that. She said, no, you need to stay in this group, and you need to love these other women, yep. and so what good, but I, I needed to hear. What a good friend to do that, though. Yeah. <laughs> to say that, because it's hard to tell somebody something you see in their life. Um, actually, I had someone recently... Um, I'd been struggling with forgiveness, and um, I told a good friend, and she texted me the other day and said, "How's that going? How how are you? Are you working on it still? You know?" And I was like, oh, "I said thank you for being a good friend, and yes, I am. You know, and I'm getting that's there, great. and I'm working on it every day. But you're right; that's a great, great thing. I love that. Yeah, um, it helps. It, it helps to have that accountability. It does. It really, yeah. really does." Okay, so Katie, what are some resources you might have that would help someone who's dealing with some of the things we've talked about today? Maybe passages, podcasts, articles, like just some things so women can go further. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I didn't actually do a lot of reading. Um, oh, on in, on infertility, so I don't have <laughs> a lot of resources on that. I jotted down here the verses that I referenced through oh, our conversation today great. because those, I, I mean, those were the ones that were really helpful to me. Yeah. Um, and then I, well, the, the article I mentioned that was just like my own writing, dealing with my own story, um, you know, well, dealing with my infertility. Yes. I definitely want to put that in our show notes because I think okay. that will be helpful to women for sure. Okay. Um, I have a couple that I could recommend for adoption. Okay. Um, so there's a book called Adopted for Life by Russell Moore. And this book was so good. I mean, hmm. when we were thinking about adoption, you know, so considering it, I started reading this book. And I I was, I must have been reading it in the car because I remember sitting in the car, like, crying. <laughs> like, oh. I, uh, I am all in. Like, let's do it. <laughs> oh, wow. So that's a good book. So I would recommend that book. Okay. Um, and then if it's okay <laughs> to do this on on the podcast that I host, oh, Monumental, yes. we did a three-part series on adoption. Wonderful. Um, that same fall that, or, yeah, that fall that I, that we got our daughter. Mm. Um I interviewed a girl in our church who was adopted by our pastor and his wife. I interviewed our pastor and his wife twice. So one time it was more like um, biblical perspective, like a more teaching kind of thing that our okay. pastor did on adoption, which was very really helpful. He talks a lot about fear. Uh, oh. Fear is such a big thing we can bring into adoption. Yep. Um, so that was, that's a big help. And then um, interviewed them again, just sharing their story of adopting their daughter. So it's mm. kind of cool because you get her perspective, the adopted daughter, and their perspective. So. Oh, I love that. And I always love podcasts. And I think Monumental is excellent. And I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to those. I have not listened to it in a little while. So it's going to go back in my queue so I can get <laughs> listening again. 
those are great resources. And, um, you know, listeners, if you need help, you need encouragement, you need prayer, do not hesitate to reach out to me at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I would love to pray for you. And um, if you would like, I probably could pass your name on to Katie. And I'm guessing she would pray for you. Um, yes, I'd be glad to. Yeah. Katie, it's really been amazing to have you on today. I really appreciate you talking about this really very private, personal situation. Um, so other women can be encouraged and be challenged even in what they're dealing with. Uh, I'm really thankful for your, I, I just thought all throughout this talk, you were full of honesty and humility and faith. And I kept hearing that theme over and over and over. The honesty of what's in front of you, the humility of trusting in God, and then the faith that you have in the process that God is sovereign and in charge and we can trust him. Uh, I think it's great. I love it. So I'm so glad. Um, thank you well, so thank much. Thank you for having Thank you for having me on. It's a real yeah. pleasure to get to do it. I hope it helps people. I've really enjoyed just remembering what God has done. So. Mm. It is good to remember what God has done. We need to keep those spiritual markers, how he's been in our life, for sure. Um, next week, we will jump into our third installment of Feminology with Sharon Arndt and Wendy Folk. We release these special episodes on the first Thursday of each month. We are focusing on biblical womanhood this year, all year long, all of 2022. And if you pay attention to anything in the news industry, anything in the entertainment industry, you will notice we need to talk about what a real woman is and what is a counterfeit. So join us for that next Thursday. And remember, when everything around you is shaking, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.